TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Peter King for a weekly Hey, How Are You? with playoff implications. Finally, here we are, Peter. It actually happened. The 49ers won 10 in a row as the Vikings started backpedaling and they're the two seed. It's kind of unbelievable where this whole thing started and how they crossed the finish line with Brock Purdy and a defense that feels like it's really significant. Um, this is this is this is really set up to be a very interesting postseason, not just with a game at Levi Stadium to start it all off on Saturday, but all the way around. We got intrigue everywhere. Yeah, you know, I was just uh, this afternoon. I'm one of the voters for the uh the associated press awards every year the mvp and all that stuff so i found myself today going over everything on the ballot you know and so one of the things i was going over is offensive rookie of the year and i said to myself self brock purdy has played only one third of the snaps about for the 49ers this year. But I must have spent 15 minutes, you know, going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm not going to vote for him number one, but I think I'm going to vote for him two or three. Just because, you know, as I wrote in my column the other day, you know, over the last five weeks, he's a top five NFL quarterback. And that's one of the most incredible things you can say about this weird, weird NFL season. But um, I just, I keep finding myself, there's so many things that happen in the course of any season that, so many things that are odd. And there are a huge number of things this year that are odd. The Giants making the playoffs, Jacksonville winning that division. So there's some weird things, the Lions being good again. Do you realize the Detroit Lions in the last nine games are seven and two, and Jared Goff's touchdown to interception ratio is fifteen to zero? I, I, I mean, you please explain that to me. You know, after watching his last year with the Rams, but but anyway, anyway, a lot of weird things. But I can't help but think that the marriage of uh, Kyle Shanahan and uh, this. Mysterious irrelevant, who's now so exceedingly relevant, uh, is really one of the stories of this year. The other two uh, candidates that you might put ahead of Purdy would be um, Walker and Thomas. Well, I presume you don't have to tell me which one it is, but no, no, I'll t- I'm happy to tell you. I'm thinking I've got four people who I'm really thinking a lot about, um, and I hate when I always do it with. Uh, with skilled players because like for instance the Seahawks have two starting rookie tackles and the left tackle has been okay the right tackle is really pretty good um, but I'm thinking of Kenneth Walker Tyler Algier who's the running back for Atlanta who had a thousand yards both those guys had thousand yard seasons and then I'm thinking of Chris Olave I, I, Olave I think I would have edging Garrett Wilson of the Jets, but they're close. And uh, and then I'm thinking of of uh, Brock Purdy. So I, I we can vote for three. You go one, two, three. So out of those four, I'm going to pick three to be uh, one, two, three in offensive rookie of the year. I'm kind of thinking of Algier 
the Atlanta back, but I want to look at it one more time tomorrow morning before I vote. It's hard to predict anything in football. How many 10-game winning streaks do you think we might see over the next decade in this sport? I mean, it feels like a 10-game winning streak is a real big number, and that's what the Niners yeah. are going into the postseason with. It's it's extraordinary given the volatility that you see every single week to week from every single roster. Yeah. The great thing about what the 49ers have done is that they had a crisis in the middle of arguably their toughest schedule stretch of the season, and they won every game. I mean, I I can just tell you something. I remember being at that uh, 49ers game against the Dolphins where uh, obviously one quarter into the game they've got this this thing that happened that I remember you know and I hate to I hate to be overly dramatic about this but I met with Kyle Shanahan for a few minutes after the game and one of the things he said is when one of the trainers went up to him I think the the head athletic trainer went up to him in the middle of the second quarter there was a pause in play he goes hey uh, Garoppolo has got uh, a foot injury and it looks like he's going to be out for a year or words to that effect and you know, obviously it looks a little bit better but still and Kyle Shanahan had to like put the stiff upper lip on it like uh, you know all is well you know like Kevin Bacon in Animal House you know like hey all is well <laughs> no problem and so you know, when in reality he's thinking, what the F are we going to do here? And I think, but his work, um, you know, and I kind of remember this. We may have talked about it, but his work with, with Brock Purdy, you know, in the summer, I think really told him that he was he was kind of morose about the whole thing that day, but he also knew that, with no ill feeling toward Nate Sudfeld, there was a reason why he picked Brock Purdy over Nate Sudfeld back in August or early September. And the reason is very, very simple, because he simply trusted him a little bit more than he trusted Nate Sudfeld. And, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times in the last month, but the fact is, I think people who were absolutely eliminating Brock Purdy from having any chance to do what he's done, really had not studied his pedigree, which is, you know, when you play 48 games of major college football, you've, you've seen a few things. I mean, but obviously it's, it's incredible what has happened. Um, let, me, let me look less granularly for a minute. This is not a game where you see a lot of ways that Seattle is going to play much differently than they did in the first two times they've played. But what is their path to victory other than a crap load of turnovers or a catastrophic injury? I think the Seattle's way to victory is Geno Smith, um, who's not going to have a lot of time compared to what he normally has. But I think it's Geno Smith making four to six plays in the intermediate and deep areas of the field. That's it. I just don't think they can bang out four long drives in this game because really, you know, the important thing for Seattle, even though nobody's going to sit here and say that the 49ers have a have Patrick Mahomes and the miracle offense of Kansas City, at least right now, you know, but they want to keep the ball away from the 49ers. They need to have a 35-25 time of possession lead. The way to do that is to hit a few plays so they're not always seeing eight people near the line of scrimmage. And I, if, if I were Shane Waldron this week, I would be thinking this has got to be a game where our wide receivers uh, really help us in this game. We need to make some plays downfield. We need to get four to six big chunks in the course of this game. 
I agree. I think that's the way they got to do it. If if the Seahawks win this game, DK Metcalf or yeah. Tyler Lockett. You got to have 160 yards. Exactly. I was about to say 150 yeah. yard, 10 catch, two yeah. touchdown afternoon where whoever yeah. got matched up on Diamador Lenore really took advantage of that yeah. matchup. And 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 you can see Lenore getting picked on week to week here. And it's not because he's a bad player. It's because he is the, the only alternative. They're not good. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, the amount of guys on this league in this league, who Peter would be the worst player on the 49ers defense is a long list of very good football players. Yeah. I think the one thing about this game, and it, this is one of the things I've gotten to enjoy over the years about Pete Carroll. You know, I think Pete Carroll is one of those guys who can sell ice to Eskimos. And I can tell you, by the time they get on the plane Friday midday for San Jose, the Seattle Seahawks are going to have no doubt in their mind that they're going to win this game. I know that sounds funny, but Pete is one of those guys that they will come up with a plan knowing that if they execute their plan, they've got a good chance to win the game. And that's what a good coach does with his team. And look, I, I, I was thinking about this today. I was walking my dog. I was thinking about all the matchups, and I was just thinking to myself, you know, Buffalo would have a hard, time, a lot hard, harder time right now today, in my opinion, beating uh, Pittsburgh the way they've played recently because Pittsburgh will just grind you into a pulp, and their defense is really going to damage you. Okay, and I thought the same thing about the Lions. If the Lions somehow had gotten in with, you know, with the way they have played recently. I think they would give the 49ers a tougher game. I don't think they beat the Niners, but I think they give the Niners a tougher game than Seattle. But then I always think of Pete Carroll, and I always think of there's something about the Seahawks. There just is. They're uh, they are you know they're the they're the uh, you know whatever the the thing that you just can't kill. They're they're just. They're always going to be competitive, and in a rivalry game like this, you never know. I mean, I'd be surprised if the 49ers lost, but I think Pete Carroll understands how to win this game. It's just being able to execute that plan to win this game. Um, who is better, better served in what looks like it's going to be a rainy, windy day? And when rain, when I say rainy and windy, I don't mean like intermittent showers. I mean yeah. it might dump. You would think Seattle because you would think that Seattle is used to playing in that. But Seattle really, first of all, they've got a guy in Geno Smith who, I mean, I don't know what his history is in a game like this, but they certainly haven't had horrible weather this year to play in and so many guys there are new including the quarterback on the other hand you'd probably say the same thing about Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy I am sure even though he's from Phoenix um, has played in the Midwest in November a lot over, you know for, for four years so I'm sure he's played in some crummy games um that's a really good question. I don't think it really is going to have... Uh, it, it certainly will have an impact on how the game is played, no question about it. But I don't think it's going to have an impact on, it, on giving one team an advantage over the other. We've already got a lot of NFL offseason news starting to develop, and we want to get to some of it with you here. Yep. But my last question, just concerning the Niners and how they got here... And I always like, Peter, how you are the right person to talk to about, you know, things that are borderline. Is this how historic is this? Christian McCaffrey's acquisition has already borne fruit that has seen more scrimmage yards by any midseason acquisition in football history. McCaffrey's already got that with the 49ers. He really has been the skeleton key to get them gaudy point totals that were not to be seen really before he joined. Are we talking about, and and obviously, you know, where this story ends will determine how you might want to answer this question, and we don't know that yet, but are we talking about 
one of the singular greatest trades in the history of midseason football trading here in Christian McCaffrey? I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. It's it's hard. It's really hard to make that statement after what eight games, maybe nine. I forget how many it's been, but um, well, like sometimes when you see it, you start thinking it. Like you said, you've seen six games out of Brock Purdy, and he's on your list. Yeah, yeah. But I think this. I think McCaffrey. What's so interesting is that even though he has been a little bit banged up. I was starting to think that Christian McCaffrey was getting to the point in his career where if he played 12-game seasons, he'd be happy. Um, But that hasn't been the case this year. You know, he's been able to hang in there and really, you know, let's, let's be honest, they need him to play four games in the next five weeks. That's that's all there is to it, and so and that and he is vitally vitally important. He will be as important as any single player on Saturday, weather like that. And I think what has impressed me so much about him is that you know when you play for Carolina, you are never on national TV. Nobody ever cares about your games over the last say three years. Uh, and you know, so when, when that happens, and then you come where every game is like a showcase game. Every game is a big game to some degree, and 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 he has just come through game after game after game. I just I can't be more impressed with a guy. And at the time, I said, Oof, "Man, the Niners gave up a lot." especially for a guy who's starting to play half seasons, <laughs> you know, and, and he has really been to me, it's hard to say a pleasant surprise because you know, if he's healthy, he's going to produce like this. But I think Kyle Shanahan has done a lot of really smart things with him team wise. And, and look, everybody, when he's on the field, you know, there's a real good chance the ball is coming to him. And yet he's had some open fields fields this year that uh, that probably I didn't expect. And whenever I see that, I say, hey, he's a great player, but he's also got people uh, designing plays for him to get him that open. Peter King, he told us last week that he was voting Nick Bosa his defensive player of the year. My final Niner question for you today. You actually have Nick Bosa in your top five for league MVP overall. He's the only non-quarterback that you've got in there. Why do you believe he belongs in that lofty of a conversation? Well, I had Justin Jefferson in there before Bosa. And to be honest with you, a lot of it is team-related. When I do an MVP list, the people on my list are almost always going to play for winning teams, unless there's something so extraordinary that happens that you've got to put somebody else on it. But I just think the best defense in football, and it isn't close, is San Francisco's. He's the most important player in that defense, the keystone. I'm not going to say that he's, you know, like mentally, it's he's, he's not what Fred Warner is in terms of being the nerve center of a defense. He has specific assignments that he has to carry out. My point is that uh, he keeps every offensive coordinator up nights worrying about how we're going to do it. And I think, you know what I think was kind of his seminal moment this year and the moment that I, I don't want to be, this is a little bit, a little bit gratuitous, but I, and I don't want to be, I, I, I'll tell you what, what I was thinking when I watched the play um, against Vegas where Colton Miller, who's the fourth best left tackle in football, fourth, fourth rated left tackle in football this year, uh, pro football focus. And when he drove Colton Miller back into Jarrett Stidham and Stidham through the wounded duck that was intercepted and run back, and then they, they get the field goal to win the game. I, I mean, that is what... A great player does. That's what 
that's what a great player in all sports. You want you want the ball in Steph Curry's hands in overtime when the when there's a gigantic play coming, and you know defensively they needed a huge play to stop the Raiders, who had been going up and down the field uncharacteristically, and they needed something to happen. He made it happen. Uh, and plays like that just really stick in my mind when I'm voting for things like this. And look, if I had been, I'm sure there are five times this year where actually the closest guy to him, in my opinion, this year is Chris Jones of the Chiefs, uh, who I just think he's, he is, he is to 2022 what Aaron Donald has been the prior seasons. He has been absolutely incredible, and he's close, but he's number two on my list, and um, and Bosa's number one. There have only been two coaches fired since the end of the season, and five yeah. total if you include the three that got it during the season. A, are there going to be any more firings, and B, where is Jim Harbaugh going to end up if he does, in fact, leave Michigan? Well, let me put it this way. What's the place that makes the most sense for him if he leaves Michigan? Well, you got to figure if Harbaugh goes somewhere, it's going to have to be for a lot of money. And so who out there right now would pay Jim Harbaugh an awful lot of money? I don't think Michael Bidwell would in Arizona. Um, I think there are two places that... I would call, I don't want to say desperate, but I would call places that really want uh, want an answer and want to win like right now. And one is Denver and the other is Carolina. And those two places basically have money is not an object if you can solve their problem. So I, I just, I honestly think that whoever can convince, uh, you know, the Walton money and uh, and George Payton, the general manager of Denver, that they can fix Russell Wilson. Uh, that's the one who they're going to want to hire. Will they believe that Jim Harbaugh can fix Russell Wilson? Will they believe that Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson and will want to fix Russell Wilson? I think that's a big question about Payton, by the way. Does he really want to coach this year, or does he want to wait for a job where he has a superstar quarterback? I mean, I, I would, I would make, I, 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 I would also just say two things about the playoffs this year. Okay, first of all, I think it's going to be interesting whether if the Chargers or the Cowboys have desultory losses this weekend. Would the owners of either of those teams think we can do better with Peyton and try to go after Peyton and fire their coaches? I don't think it will happen in either place. I think Brandon Staley will be back. I think Mike McCarthy will be back. But let's see what happens this weekend before we we know that for sure. Is there a reason in your mind where there, why there have been so few firings this year, or is it just cyclical? cyclical uh but it's not over ray it just it's not over um i suppose you're counting indianapolis as an opening i would assume because i do think they're going to do interviews and and uh i think it i I don't get a feel whether it's jeff saturday whether jeff saturday has a real chance of coming back but Jim Irsay is one of those iconoclastic guys who doesn't care what people think about him. But even he would have to admit that uh, this has not gone well. And it's amazing to me how the Colts have fallen. You know, they're, the Colts are really down with Houston right now. They're 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 down at that level right now because all the guys who they thought were really good players have either been hurt too much, like. Uh, you know, like uh, Shaquille Leonard, or uh, like their offensive line, they've just massively underperformed. And so, I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen in Indianapolis. That's a curious case. But you know, let's let's wait and see what happens after the dust settles, like with the Rams. 
Uh, and then there's always one or two surprises. How's Mike Grable feeling right now? I would assume that Mike Grable is back, but let's see how he's feeling. How's Robert Kraft going to be feeling about Bill Belichick? <laughs> I'm not suggesting in any way that Belichick is going to be out. I'm just suggesting that uh, Robert Kraft, enough people who cover that team and who know that team over the years have hinted and said that Kraft, when he meets with Belichick after the season, is essentially going to say, you are not coming back with that offensive staff next year. You're not going to do it. Let's get a professional quarterback coach and a professional offensive coordinator in here. Peter King. Kraft Kraft is just, I think Kraft is going to exert his will a little bit. Peter King with us here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, We've already gone long. Let's go real quick lightning round. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, only three outcomes available. Back with the Packers, another team but still in the NFL, or retires from the NFL. Where would you place your bet? Back with the Packers. I think he loves tormenting the press and public with, oh, I don't want to give my jersey away. It's my last game. It might be my last game. And I'm going to walk off the field with my arm around my best buddy, Randall Cobb. It might be our last time walking off the field. Because that's clearly the image he presented. I think he comes back. Lovey Smith, most costly win in NFL history in terms of Chicago now has the number one overall. And would the Bears actually consider trading Justin Fields? They'd be stupid if they did. Luke Getze and Justin Fields are a very good match. I think they wouldn't mind trading their pick, but they're not going to pick a quarterback if they stay at number one. They'll take either that Georgia defensive play. They'll, they'll take the best defensive player on the board. And finally, in maybe one of the prime examples that things change quickly in this league, We looked at the NFC West 12 months ago and said, well, here's an absolute juggernaut for years to come. Everyone feels locked, loaded, their futures are kind of secure, and Seattle is about to hit a reboot. Well, look at Seattle. They're the team that's actually got, you know, a little bit of a present because they're in the playoffs, obviously. And a bright future, but there's also a limitation on a 32-year-old Geno Smith just repackaging the magic. And we'll see in the postseason again next year, folks. Like, I wouldn't bet on Seattle's immediate future as much as I like their long-term future with the draft picks they got coming their way. All of a sudden the Mets, or excuse me, the Rams look like an absolute mess, Peter, and the Arizona Cardinals might be the biggest mess in the NFL, not named the Houston Texans. So, what do you think of the NFC West now? I think it's a really good time to be a great team in the NFC West because I could see the 49ers going 6-0 and in the division next year no matter who their quarterback is. And my guess is the quarterback's going to be Brock Purdy. Um, I don't see a scenario unless something weird happens in the next two, three weeks that that isn't the case. But, you know, we'll see. Um, but I do think there's one there's one thing, you know, John Schneider, uh, I, even though he, he has had some checkered drafts in the last few years, he just hit a home run with his draft this year. Uh, he got four excellent starters out of this draft, and he's got two picks likely in the top 20 of next year's draft. And so I, I, I don't know whether he'll take a quarterback or not. He's the kind of guy who can do anything. But I would feel confident if I were a Seattle fan that, that they will be very competitive next year, no matter who plays quarterback for them. But Seattle will be the biggest test for the Niners next year and probably the year after. Um, everything has to be healthy. Everything has to be right for the Rams with 35-year-old Matthew Stafford and a well-beaten-up Cooper Cup as the two huge offensive pieces. They don't have an offensive line. You don't know. I mean, I know Aaron Donald. He told me before the year I'm playing two years. I'm not positive he will. We'll see what happens. Rams are very much in flux, but I will tell you this. There is not a soul in that organization who would trade the Super Bowl last year 
if they knew that they would be uber competitive uh, for the next five years. No doubt about it. Trophies officially matter. Peter, thank you so very much. As always, it's a pleasure. We'll do it again next week and hopefully be talking about the 49ers and, and who they've got coming up next. Thanks a lot. Stay dry, guys. I feel for everybody out there. Thank you so very, very much. Appreciate that. Peter King here on 95.7 The Game. We are inside. We are dry. Hopefully everyone on the road is doing okay. Uh, I know that you can be 25 miles away from an almost entirely different climate. This bomb cyclone has been so weird and has affected so many low-lying places more than it's affected other places. So stay careful out there, everyone. Please, that is a, a nice little send-off from, uh, from Peter King indeed. It's, it's something else how, you know, timing matters in sports. And to be able to thread that needle and be good while teams around you are starting to regress... It's a luxury if you can find that. And, man, it really, really feels like not only do the 49ers, you know, are they at the end of a good year here, that good year with a healthy Christian McCaffrey, with all of the cap room that they're going to have if they really do indeed have the cheapest quarterback room that you could conceive of starting football games for you, um, it's... It's amazing how well set up the 49ers are here. Like Peter King just said, it's a good time to be a good team in the NFC West. And the NFC West changed that equation dramatically. Yeah, three uh, a year ago, three teams won double digits. This year, one had, a win- uh, one had double digits and only two had winning records. And the second team was barely made it by the skin of Jason Myers' foot. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the only wild card to that is the same wild card that there always is. You're always three injuries away from being screwed. No doubt. And that's what happened to the Rams this year. Uh, yeah, they burned off a lot of draft capital to win that Super Bowl. But if Matthew Stafford is healthy and Cooper Cup is, hel- Cooper Cup is healthy and they figure out Cam Akers before week 14, they're in this too. So... Bad luck can tip up on you and hammer you right in the throat when you least expect it, as the 49ers found out in 2020. Do you think Sean McVay is actually flirting with a departure from the Rams at this point in time, kind of like a a getting while the getting's good? Because, I mean, he's made a ton of cash. He's a very young man. He's got endless options and a very bright future and probably a better paycheck and less stress coming with his next job as a broadcaster, but the problem is it might be the right time for him to leave the NFL as a head coach, if indeed his mind is, but last year was the right time to get out and say, I'm going to be a big broadcaster for a ton of cash, because remember, Tom Brady's already been paid like a man in waiting. We've got the Tony Romo, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, the, the, the huge network analyst shuffle spinning carousel has spun and many a multiple year contract in a new network has been signed by an already good at that broadcaster Joe Buck and Troy Aikman uh you know there are probably teams and networks that would let their you know ABC color guy go in the names of I'm I'm replacing you with Sean McVay but for McVay to have really hit that sweet spot to go into the booth it was last year and that guy to me just screams, I'm young enough to keep Wana coaching. And I, I think he's angling for a contract extension more than uh, anything else. I don't know because he's one of those guys who doesn't have other interests. So he's incredibly tightly wrapped. In that way, he's a little bit like Dick Vermeil was. So I could see that he's looking at, God, I don't know if I've got it in me for a rebuild. Also, you only need to get one one vacant spot in the broadcast wheel to hit it big. And it sounds like Sean Payton's coming back. So he could take Payton's spot with Fox for a huge amount of money. The wild card here is that of the openings that we already have in the NFL this year, two of them, Denver and Carolina, are with two of the three richest people owning sports in North America. 
So money's not going to be an object. So if he was trying to hit it big, um, you know, this would be the year to try to get a job with one of them rather than stay where he is and try to get more money out of Sean, out of uh, Stan Kroenke after a, a five-win season. So I think if he's going to go, he's going to do the broadcast thing for at least a year. Um, he could say that it's, you know, better for his family. His, you know, he's just new, you know, married for the first time. Um, I think he's more likely to stay than go. But I don't know if it's going to come with a huge raise. Because, you know, Les needs going nowhere as the general manager. He's staying right where he is. And if his if McVeigh's issues are with Sneed, he might go just to get away from him. There, there are a lot of things going on that I don't know that anybody's that sure about. So I don't have a definitive answer for you. But I don't think he would leave just because, gee, this is all of a sudden, this is kind of daunting now. But he might. I mean, if Fox comes and says, we're going to give you $20 million and you only have to work eight hours a week rather than 100 he might do it just for the rational lifestyle that comes with it. He won't stay for long, but he might do it for a year just to recharge his batteries because guys burn out in this in this league like they always have. You know, they they are they still are for as much as they say they have more rational lifestyles. They sleep at at the stadium. They they spend 15 16 hours a day doing that stuff. I mean, uh Mike McDaniel when uh when Tua went down, told his wife, I'll be I'll be home at noon. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're looking for a quarterback because it looks like Tua's going to be out for a while. And his wife has to call him at the stadium nine hours later and said, you were going to be here at noon. It's now eight o'clock. You know, they get lost in the job. So I could see where burnout could be a problem. <laughs> Being an NFL coach. Uh, being a head coach in the NFL is officially an unhealthy job. It's an unhealthy lifestyle. There's a reason why these guys do burn out and have heart attacks. And if you're talking about lasting a decade somewhere, I mean, it's uh, just look at Kyle Shanahan six years ago. Being head coach of the San Francisco 49ers has aged him like a president. It, he looks... 10 years younger in six years. Yeah, I mean, and that's the wild card. 10 years older, pardon me. Yeah, that's the wild card about how long he's going to stay. Because his dad stayed, I think, 12 years in Denver. And while he ended up going back and coaching with Washington, the last few years in Denver weren't good. And the, the old John Madden line, you know, 10 years is as long as anybody should do this job. I think probably resonates with with these guys too, especially a guy with Shanahan, whose dad was a contemporary of Madden's and Bill Walsh's, who also did ten years and got out. You know, he late you know he later came back and did Stanford, but for the most part, ten years is about as much as any rational human being can do this job without becoming an irrational human being. Someone from the Xfinity Mobile text line asks, please explain how in God's name's broadcasters command such contracts that they do right now. I just can't understand the math. Well, look, I'm about as pro-broadcaster as a human being can be as a broadcaster. Make as much money as you can, boys. It's real simple. The show that you're on commands more live eyeballs than any other show any network can put on television. Eyeballs in the world of television equal money. And I think it's crazy. But they got the money to spend. They got the money to burn. So they burn it on names that people think, you know, people will want to see. To me, a broadcaster has never make, it doesn't make or break whether or not I'm watching. I'm watching because I'm watching the sport. A broadcaster who's good absolutely enhances the game. A bad broadcast team detracts from the game. But I just mute it. I don't stop watching. No, it, it's an ego thing. It's, I got the guy that you wanted. I mean... When, when the bidding war for, for Drew Brees went on and NBC won it, they won it even though they didn't really have an idea of what they wanted to do with Brees. And it lasted a year. So really, it's more about, you know, ooh, Fox wants Brady. Well, maybe I want Brady. I'll get in a bidding war because that'll make me look good with my boss. And nobody expects 
Tom Brady to be very good at this. He's never been terribly forthcoming anyway. And he's probably not going to be, you know, the next great broadcaster anyway. I don't think that's what drives him. But there's $350 million that he's been promised to do this. And even if he only does it for one year, you know, it's going to be more than $35 million per year that he's going to get. He'll have buyout clauses. So he'll make $100 million minimum. I think it's just it's just ego. It's just, I want this guy, the CEO of the company will be impressed if I get this guy. Follow-up from the same texter says, but isn't there a big name that would work for less? See, that's an oxymoron. There's no, there, there is no big name working for less. Big names command big paychecks. If Tony Romo got 15 million, which I think it was the number he got, somebody's getting 20 because they're just going to go, why should I take what Tony Romo got? You want me you can't get Romo. That's what I want. And money is no object to a guy like David Tepper or um, or Stan Kroenke or Rob Walton. You know, it, that money is the cheapest thing in the world to them. So it's really just about, you know, what do I want? And the guy who's got more money than all of them is Jeff Bezos. When we come on back for one final segment, we're going to tee you up to get John Dickinson ready for you with a little Warriors Live. They're going to get underway from Chase Center. Steph Curry returns, and we return with the final segment. And what do you know? Look who's back in the news. Oh, I guess physicals have been passed after all. That's how we're going to wrap up today here on 95.7 The Game. Damon and Rado, we are brought to you by the Odyssey Weather Network. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Again, the road to Glendale is brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow together. Ray, you were just looking at some uh, early betting lines here, and you said that uh, Seattle's getting some money on it early, huh? Yeah, the, the opening line for that game was 49ers minus 10 and a half. Uh, the win, one of the big casinos in Vegas, already has it down to nine. Everybody else has it at nine and a half. And usually when one moves that way, all the others will before the end of the night. So, Look, I, I mean, I love double digits anytime you want to offer it in the postseason, in the regular season. Postseason, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say no to 10 points in the postseason. Yeah, well, I mean, anything over three and a half this year as a favorite was a loser. So I can certainly see where... The, the the appeal is to you know fade the big number. By the way, I, Lucas, you let us know what we're going to dial up for a fade the public playoff style uh, as we get into this wild card weekend. We will be fading the public. Uh, the public actually, uh, a lot of people started jumping on TCU late, like thinking, yeah, maybe they got the shot. Maybe they got... no, they didn't. Uh, that was the worst college football national championship game of our lifetimes, basically. 
And I don't know how more participation or a expanded playoff field is going to fix that. Like, you want to be mad at somebody, go ahead and be mad at Michigan because they're the ones who screwed this up by laying down and dying against TCU, to be totally honest with you. You can say, you know, there's no doubt that the real national championship game was Ohio State-Georgia, but that was that was about as comprehensive a beatdown as you could see between an NFL team and a college team. I mean, that's what that looked like. It looked like TCU plays on Saturdays. It looked like Georgia played on Sundays. Well, and the one thing about college football that is different than any other sport is that there is no tactical advantage to not going for the route. You know, this was a statement that Georgia wanted to make to every recruit everywhere. It just said, yeah, you can go to other schools, but eventually if you want to get a ring, you got to go through us and we just crushed somebody because we could. And I think that was the that was the message that was sent and I think every player who wants to play college football next year got it loud and clear. Look, voting's hard to do, but I mean it should it should probably be just number 1 versus number 2. I mean, uh, look, a- a- Alabama should have been in that game. Full stop. Alabama would have fared a lot better than TCU. Well, who wouldn't have fared better than TCU? A very good point. I mean, the, but the the truth is when you go to expanded playoffs, you're going to get a few more upsets just because of the law of big numbers, but you're going to get a lot of games like this, and you're going to get a lot of games like LSU-Purdue, which, you know, most teams like to use uh, bowl games as just ways to screw around and, you know, give kids a chance to play goofy plays and, you know, go for the triple reverse. Georgia was doing something else. Georgia wanted to crush the spirits, not only of TCU, but of anybody else who is thinking about challenging them in the next three years, including Nick Saban. It was impressive. It was impressive. I don't know if you heard the leaked Kirby Smart I audio. I was almost ready to run through my cup of coffee this morning. That was uh, He was fired up. They were fired up. And he was deeply profane. He was lots of spicy words. I mean, he was, he was literally threatening... A forty-one, a fourteen-point favorite, that that would not merely be sufficient. He wanted that game covered four times over, and he got it. He did. They skinned him alive. Skinned him alive. Um, you said earlier, or you asked Peter King where you thought a good landing spot for Jim Harbaugh was. He didn't really know. Obviously, someone with deep pockets is is the feeling that you'd think would be attached to it. Where do you think Harbaugh's? best landing spot is because I got one in mind and it's probably back in Ann Arbor. He might go back. The wild card being that the NC2A is looking at him. Sure. Toothless, feckless organization that carries no governing real weight to it anymore. So no, I, wouldn't they, even, they can, I would blow right past that if I were Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, but it might also be just enough of an irritant that he says no. I don't know how badly he wants to go back to the NFL, but if I had to pick a place... It would either be Carolina or Denver, and it would come with the codicil that Jim Harbaugh would have to have as much power as Kyle Shanahan has in San Francisco, because that's the thing that undid him in San, uh, Harbaugh in San Francisco, is he didn't like working for two people. He didn't like working for one person, and at Ann Arbor... He only works for himself. There was a but, price point where he would have been happy with, just go ahead, stick me with Balky, whatever. There was a price point that Jed York was not about to extend to him without an Lombardi trophy. No, but but once he got that price point, then he would have still had the fights because sure. he's not a guy who takes orders from anybody. He'll never be happy anywhere. No, well, he's he'll insane. never be happy answering to anyone. And in the NFL, you eventually have to answer to the owner. But there's a difference between the son of the owner... And the guy who's worth $55 billion. Speaking of happy to be back, what level of happiness do you put on Carlos Correa walking into Minnesota spring training this year? I think he'll be fine because at least he's got a gig. You know, I mean, he's going to get $33 million a year for six years. Six years, $200 million with a vesting option that could max out at 270 It's almost the same number I said the Giants should come back with, but they absolutely botched their communication with him. And the, the fact that he took less money and fewer years than the Giants were being, you know, going to be willing to renegotiate is uh, an indictment on how players think the Giants handle not only free agents, but maybe even their own, as Brandon Belt goes to Toronto. Yeah, no, the, the Giants said they would not be outbid 
for a player they wanted. They got underbid by $150 million and still lost the guy. And if they got underbid by Aaron Judge as well and whatever he took to go back to New York, which, you know, who knows, we'll never get the real number on that. Whew, that's something else. Uh, let's wrap up with this because apparently late in the day here, Susan Slesser shared the news that the Oakland A's are not going to get any federal funding for Howard Terminal. I bet you somewhere John Fisher is like fist pumping that like it's a win. I don't think he wants to be here. I don't think he wants to tie himself to the Bay Area with a multi-billion dollar construction project when he doesn't even really need to be in the Bay Area. The only thing I can help tell you is that maybe if there's no way to increase value on the franchise before he sells... Because they're not going to let him move anywhere. No one wants to have him. He's not even wanted in the city that he's in, to be totally honest with you. Maybe that prompts him to sell, which would be good. Yeah, I think he wants the project to start. Because at that point, he could charge more for the sale. Because, hey, look, you're going to have a real estate deal with this new stadium in it. So I think he's not happy about it. But I don't think he wants to keep the team anyway. So... I think he's just after what's the maximum amount of money I can get when I sell this team. And then at that point, I don't care whether it's in Oakland or the moon. Because as you say, no other city has shown any interest in having the A's. Least of all, Las Vegas. How about this, boys and girls? For the first time in a long time, your Golden State Warriors starting five is Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and Kevon Looney. It's been a while since we said all that. They are teed up to beat the Suns tonight, who only have one of their normal starters starting tonight. So the Suns are kind of white flagging this one, rolling in with the Devin Booker injury. That's kind of defining who they are right now. So let's see the Warriors wake up tonight at Chase Center. Steph Curry is back. We're going to get you out there live with our friend John Dickinson. It's coming up next, brought to you by Fremont Bank. It's Curry's return against the Phoenix Suns. Ray, did we miss anything? Are we good? Oh, we missed tons. But that's why we have to come back tomorrow. All right, then. We'll come back tomorrow at 3 o'clock and we'll clean it all up. In the meantime, thanks to Peter King for joining us. Lucas and Grandy, thank you guys very, very much. And we will be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. In the meantime, John Dickinson, Warriors basketball, coming up next here on 95.7 The Game. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.